Hello and welcome to Total Recall ASM 19 on the Word on the Go podcast. Throughout this series we're going to be bringing you all the talks and seminars from this year's festival. We hope you enjoy. Guys, I want you to give a big summer madness welcome to Rachel Gardner. <laughs> Rachel is no stranger to the summer madness stage. How are you? Uh, Rachel, one thing we have to talk about, your shoes. Can we get a focus on these shoes? Can we do that? Any, I can't. Rachel, do this. Do that. Can you do, like, respect for these shoes, really, really. Like, you, I mean, you do know you're coming to Glenarm, you know. Good luck today. Good luck today. Uh, we're going to have Alana come up and pray uh, for Rachel this morning. How have you been? Big round of applause for Alana. Alana! Woo! Let's get a Q&A with Alana. Tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from? I'm from St. Mary's Ballybean. Ballybean in the house. See, them Ballybean ones are terrible rowdy, terrible rowdy. Annie, at school, what are you doing with yourself? I am in Ashfield Girls, and I'm going into Lower Sixth. Lower Sixth, yes. So you've just done your GCSEs? Yes. And now school's out for summer. Amazing. Yes, it is amazing being off. Will you pray for Rachel for us? Dear God, I thank you for Rachel. I thank you for bringing her here safely. Lord, I thank you that we can gather together as young people in the tent of Big Top. I thank you for all Summer Madness has done this whole weekend. Lord, I pray that our ears would be opened and our hearts would be opened to receive the word from you, God. I thank you that everything that Rachel will say today will travel through our hearts, God. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, it's really good to be with you. So, so good. So I'm Rachel. I'm married to a northern ginger guy called Jason. And we have two kids. Last year, we adopted little Thomas, who about three weeks ago became legally ours forever. So that is really exciting. So I flew in late last night, and it is so good to be with you. And I'm here all day, so I hope we can have a little chat at some point today. So first of all, what I'd like you to do is get your pointing finger out. So whether you're right-handed, left-handed, doesn't matter. And I'm going to ask you to do something dead simple. Right? All you need to do is point to something and say what it is. All right, the answer is not Jesus. It might be mud, floor, unwashed friend, whatever it might be. Are you ready? Get your pointy finger and just start pointing at things and saying what you see. Tent, lights, screen, keyboard, Simon, beautiful people, monitor, ridiculous footwear. Brilliant. Very good. Now bring it back in, shh, well done, that was very good. Now what I'd like you to do now, okay, it gets a bit more complicated, is I want, how are we doing on the accent? Can you understand me, friends? We're doing all right. Brilliant! What I'd like you to do now is point to something, but you've got to say the last thing you looked at. It's getting a bit complicated. So we're going to imagine that all of us, the last thing we've said is the last thing we've seen is the stage, right? So the first thing you point out, whatever it is, you're going to say, stage. 
ceiling. Do you see what I'm doing, okay? So you want to say the last thing that you saw. Are you with me? Yes. So the first thing all of us are going to say is stage. Just don't point to the stage and then take it from there. Does that make sense? Clear as mud. Beautiful. One, two, three. Stage, roof, mud, camera lady, person with a cap on, <laughs> uh, cameras, ah, I've, I've lost it already. Ah. How did you get on? So, shh, hands up. Who found that a bit more difficult? Okay, right, next one, shake it off. This is, this is the hardest, I think. Right, you're going to point at things and you can call it whatever you want. You just can't call it what it actually is, all right? So you can't call it what it actually is, call it whatever you want. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Boy George, <laughs> Simon Henry, Jesus, <laughs> um, Lipstick, The Queen, Brexit. <laughs> Unicorn! Brilliant! Well done! Thus endeth the ridiculous game. Who found the last one really difficult? Yeah, who found that they made up rules like it has to be something in the room and then you heard me say the word unicorn, you're like, what? I didn't know I could do like fun words like that, yeah? Who, who said the same thing over and over and over again? Anybody? Oh, very good. Nobody normally does that, but that is a good way of doing it. Like, I was asking you to say what you saw, and I was putting you under pressure, because the thing is, sometimes it's really hard to really see what's going on when we feel under pressure. Like, I've got to get this right. I've got to say the right thing. I've got to see it, and then say the thing that it's not. Like, it's really difficult. Social media is a type of serious pressure. Every moment that you're online, you're seeing stuff all the time and you're having to respond to it. So take the recent spat between fashionistas and makeup artists and YouTubers Tati Westbrook and Charles James. Anybody got involved with that one recently? So in a nutshell, Tati Westbrook, 47 years old. She's an amazing makeup artist. She's a YouTuber, has millions of followers has taken under her wing this 19-year-old makeup artist guy called Charles James. Weirdly, James Charles, weirdly, he calls her mummy. That's a bit weird. But anyway, they had this great friendship until she caught whiff of him doing something she thought he shouldn't do. And so she launched this massive tirade, this film on social media, where she completely destroyed his character. This 19-year-old boy, she destroyed his character. She destroyed his career. It's amazing, actually, that he has survived it, I think. The amount of trolling that he's received. And so many people got involved online. Like, everybody had an opinion about what they saw. The thing about social media is it's not neutral, is it? It's not neutral. Like most people on the planet are somehow connected online. And you'll see stuff going around that your friends put up and you think, I've got to have an opinion on this. I've got to say something about this. But what if I say something that isn't like the popular opinion? 
What if I say something and then all the trolling comes in my, my direction? And the thing about social media as well, if you notice this, people are either 100% good or 100% bad. Have you noticed that? Have you, heard, have you come across the cancelling thing? Like if you don't like what someone says, you don't agree with them, they're cancelled. It's like they don't exist anymore. Like they might be this really nice person, but they've said this one thing that I don't agree with, so they are cancelled now. And the thing that I think I find the hardest about social media, and I love, I love Twitter, I love a bit of Insta, I love all that stuff. But the thing that I've noticed in my life is that social media doesn't help me see the world in the way that God sees things. Social media doesn't help me see that person, that situation, in the way that God sees them. And I think, guys, that matters. It matters that we see the world in the way that God sees it. It matters that we see each other in the way that God sees us. It matters that we see ourselves in the way that God sees us. Why? Because God always sees the truth and he always acts in love. God always sees the truth. He always sees what's really going on. He always sees the depths of the situation. He always sees the depths of our hearts. And he always acts out of deep, loving compassion and power to change things in our lives. So it's not surprising that one of the questions that God often asks his friends in the Bible, he often asks them, what do you see? In Jeremiah chapter 1, one of the prophets of the Old Testament, God says a number of times, Jeremiah, what do you see? And Jeremiah's like, uh, I see a tree. And God's like, well seen, that's really good. And I'm actually going to do this, 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 and this, and this. Jeremiah, what do you see in chapter 2? And Jeremiah says, um, I see a, bottle, a pot of water like bubbling and boiling. And God says, great, because what I'm going to do is X, Y, and Z. Like God is regularly saying to his friends, what do you see? And do you want to see this situation through my eyes? Do you want to see this with God's ultimate reality? If you've got a Bible, or you've memorized a Bible, or you've got it on your phone, I'd love you to turn to John's Gospel in the New Testament, John chapter 9, and I'm going to read to you from verse 1 to 7. And this is a beautiful story about being stirred by what we see. Our eyes are so powerful When we look at situations and we look at that beautiful image on social media and think, how can they look like that when I just look like this? How can their relationship look like that when my life looks like this? How can their world look like that and my life looks like this? This is a beautiful story about Jesus seeing somebody and being stirred into action. And I'm going to draw a few points out from it that we're going to discuss later on this morning. So John... Chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. And if you haven't got a Bible, just listen to me reading these words. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, that was a beautiful name they called Jesus, basically teacher, Rabbi, who sinned? Like, who messed up 
this man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it wasn't that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, because night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And I love this bit. Having said these things, Jesus spat on the ground and made mud with his saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing this is the word of God. Amazing, amazing. The backstory to this brilliant healing is that Jesus is really upsetting the religious leaders. He basically has said to them in the chapter four, get this, Jesus has basically said to the religious leaders of the day, like, your father is not God, your father is Satan. Like, do you know where you come from? He's really upset them. And in the passage before, they pick up stones and they want to kill Jesus. So Jesus has to go and hide somewhere in the temple to escape. And as he's leaving the temple, maybe still in fear for his life, he sees a blind man sat on the side of the path. And what I love about this healing is that this healing doesn't happen because the disciples see the blind man and say, Jesus, like over here, there's someone over here that needs healing. Come over here. And it doesn't happen because the Pharisees, the religious leaders, are trying to catch Jesus out and saying, oh, it's a Sabbath. Let's see if Jesus heals a guy on the Sabbath. This healing happens because Jesus sees this man first. So here's a question for you, amazing people that are camping in all kinds of weather with heat and lightning and your tent is blowing away and you're still here because you're diehards and you're amazing. Here's a question for you. Who is it that saw God first? Did you see God first this morning or did he see you? Like that's a weird question in a way. Like, of course God sees us first, but do you know that? Does that land like really deep in your life that even before you were awake this morning and you were slowly coming to and your crusty eyes were like opening, you're like, oh my goodness, how much does my youth worker love me? Will they give me bacon this morning? Like I'm so hungry. And can I nominate someone to go and pee for me because I'm desperate for the loo and I don't want to leave my sleeping bag. Like before any thought entered your mind, Jesus saw you. Because he always sees you. He always sees the reality of your life. He always sees the truth of who you are. And he sees you with nothing but deep, compassionate love. So Thomas, our little boy, is now two. 
And sometimes he sleeps through the night. Most of the time, he likes to party hard in the wee small hours at 2 a.m. And I go into his room, and he's wide awake. And I look at him, and I'm just like, you are a nightmare, child. It's 2 in the morning. I'm so tired. I'm an old lady now. Don't keep me awake. But the moment I see him, I'm just overwhelmed with this, wow, you're my son. You are so amazing. Like every time God sees you, he is overwhelmed with love for you. Jesus saw you first and he came finding you and he still sees you. But here's the three things that I want to draw out of this passage because this morning the theme of stirred into action I think as well as Jesus seeing us, he calls us to see ourselves and other people as he sees them. So here's thought number one for you from this passage. The thought number one is this, look like Jesus. The challenge for us as disciples of Jesus is that we're going to look like Jesus. Now I don't mean Jesus sandals, long beard, dusty clothes. I don't mean that. But I mean that when we enter a situation, when we look at our world and we look at our friends and we look at our own lives, we have a choice. Are we going to look with the eyes of cynicism? Are we going to look with the eyes of fear? Are we going to look with the eyes of judgment? Or are we going to look like Jesus looks? I was sat in the airport yesterday. My plane was seriously delayed. There's only so many times you can stand in Sunglasses Hut and try on every pair of glasses, like lose the will to live. Um, And I sat in the coffee shop and I began to watch people going by. And I don't know where your mind wanders to. But as I was watching people going by, I suddenly caught myself being super judgy. Do you ever do that? And I found myself thinking thoughts like, Oh, I don't like what he's wearing. I'm like, oh no, I don't oh I don't want to sit near him. Oh, what has she got on her feet? And I was like, where where did those thoughts come from? Like we have a choice, don't we, how we look. Are we gonna look with the eyes of Jesus or are we gonna look with the eyes of judginess or cynicism? Or maybe when we look at our friends at school or college or we look at the world, it's not that we're looking to judge them, but we're looking to work out who's judging us. Like, do you ever do that? You think, oh my goodness, I'm just sat here. I wonder who's looking at me and judging me. I wonder who's thinking that I don't fit in. And we spend so much time looking like that that we forget that we have a choice. That in this moment, we can look with the eyes of God and say, God, you know that in this moment... I just feel a bit insecure. I feel a bit inferior. I feel that I'm not good enough. God, you know that stuff that goes on inside me. But in this moment, I don't want to look with the eyes like that. I want to look like you look. Jesus, show me this same situation, but with your eyes. And the second thought, so look like Jesus. Imagine how radical that would be for you. If you left this place and you looked at other friends at your school friends, at your world, at the political situation with the eyes of Jesus. The second thought, look to Jesus. It's one of the things that I know about you, because I've been coming to Summer Madness for years, is I know how deeply you love God's world. I just see it in you. 
Things like street reach. I know that loads of you are going to sign up for next year because you really care about taking the good news of Jesus outside the marquee and actually getting it out there into the waiting and longing and desperate world. I know that. But here's a challenge from Scripture. When we see situations around us that break our heart and we know God breaks God's heart, like a friend at school who is suicidal, or stuff around mental health in our own lives or other people's lives. Or we hear about modern day slavery. Or we hear about child sexual exploitation. Or we, we think about the planet and we think about the plastic that we're using and how it's wrecking our planet. Like this stuff that is stirring us. The challenge for us is, are we just going to look and be moved by how we feel? Or are we going to say, Jesus, I'm looking to you, so that in this situation, I'm looking to see what you want to do in this situation. I'm not going to stop just by feeling compassionate. I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm feeling stirred up. I'm feeling compassionate. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling the injustice. Jesus, what do you want to do in this situation? I long to see your power move in this situation. My friend who is suffering and struggling, I want to be moved by that. But Jesus, more than anything, I want to see you move in power in their lives. I don't just want to feel the pain with them. I want to feel the pain so that I move to ask you, Jesus, what do you want to do? There's this homeless guy in North London where I live who sits at the entrance to Morrison's every day begging. And I know a bit about his story because I'm a gobby North London woman, and I sit next to him and we chat quite often. And the other day, having read this passage, I suddenly thought, look, I'm really stirred by compassion for this guy's story. His name is Mark. Like, I know the horrible things that have been happening in his life, which is why he's on the street. Like, and that's helped me feel more compassion for him. I'm not going to judge him. I know the addictions. I know the pain. I know the heartbreak. But the really uncomfortable thing, friends, for me is thinking, and I know a Savior who could totally transform your life, Mark. I know that actually you don't need to be sat here for the rest of your life just at the dentrons to Morrison's. I know that your life has a purpose and a value and a worth. And I don't just want to see your situation and feel the pain and the sadness. I want to see and speak into your life that God can do some amazing things in healing your heart. And dealing with the pain that you feel and releasing you from addiction and fear. So we look like Jesus, and we look to Jesus. Jesus, what do you want to do in this situation? How can your name be glorified? How can people look at this situation and see, wow, there is a God, and look what he can do? And the last of the three points, look to Jesus. Look, look, look like Jesus, look to Jesus. And the last one, look for Jesus. God is always at work in our world. God is always at work in our lives. God is always at work in your school, in your college, in your family. And the challenge for us who follow Jesus is to say, Jesus, it doesn't look like much is happening in my family. It doesn't look like much is happening in my school, but I believe, God, that you are there. I believe there's no part of this world that, Jesus, you are not at work in. So what are you doing? What are you doing in this world that I can get involved with? 
How can I say yes to the amazing power of Jesus in my school, in my college? What are you doing, Jesus? As I was sat backstage and just praying before I came on, I uh, noticed in my notes, when I wrote down that God, I said at the beginning, didn't I, that God speaks to his friends and says, what do you see? I'd written down the verse, Jeremiah 1.11, and God said to Jeremiah, what do you see, Jeremiah? And I'd written in my notes that Jeremiah replied, I see the brain of an almond tree. <laughs> and I was like, I think that's a typo. I don't think Jeremiah said to God, I see the brain of an almond tree. So I thought I'd better flick back through the Bible and see what it actually says. And as I opened Jeremiah chapter 1, I caught sight of something that I'd not really noticed before. If you've got your Bibles... Turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. So this was written a long, long time before Jesus performed that amazing miracle of healing that blind man. And I'd never clocked before how young Jeremiah was. In the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, the word of God came to Jeremiah saying this, verse 4. And I believe this is for us this morning. Remember what I said about God seeing us. God seeing you first. God seeing the reality of your life. God loving you. God says this to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, like before the adults that made you conceived you, I saw you. That's God saying to Jeremiah, like before anyone planned to have a kid that would become you, God's saying, I saw you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, which means I chose you. And I appointed you as prophet to the nations. And what does Jeremiah say? Jeremiah says this, ah, oh, God, I don't know how to say what I see. I, I don't know how to look like you look. I don't know how to see what you're doing because I'm only a youth. I'm only a teenager. Jeremiah is saying this. I don't know how to do that stuff. I don't know how to look at a situation and see things through your eyes. Because I'm, I'm just young. Like, I'm just working this stuff out for myself. Like, you're asking me to see what you're doing, God. I can just about get up in the morning and work out, can I get myself into college today? I have days like that, and I'm definitely not a teenager anymore. There are days where I wake up and think, God, say, God, I want to see what you're doing, but I just feel so crap right now. Like, I just feel that my life is such a mess right now. I just see all the things that you still need to sort out in my life right now. How can I possibly see what you're doing out there? How can I possibly have the faith, God, to pray with someone, to talk with someone about you? Like, I'm just such a mess. If I was a better Christian, God, if I was older, if I was a church leader, if I was a youth worker, if I'd done a degree in theology, if I was more confident, if I was taller, if I was from whatever. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. God, I don't know this is for me because I'm just a teenager. And God says this, don't say I'm only a teenager. For to all to whom I send you, you will go. And whatever I command you, you will speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I'm with you. 
I protect you. I shelter you. I deliver you. There's nothing more amazing and terrifying than knowing that God sees us and chooses us and loves us and believes more in our capacity to live for him than we ever believe for ourselves. And the reason God has such high hopes and excited dreams for your life is because he knows he has everything that you need. Everything that you need to see life through his eyes, to see yourself through his eyes, to see your community through his eyes, and not just to see it, but to dare to believe that God wants to do something powerful in and through you in this situation. I just, that just takes my breath away. It takes my breath away. I used to think, that before I could talk to anyone else about Jesus, I had to be totally sorted. I used to think that before I could say to anyone, listen, I want to tell you the good news that there is a God who loves you and has a plan for your life, that I had to be free from any kind of sexual thoughts that were dishonoring to God, that I had to be totally brilliant about how I spent my money all the time, that I had to never think bad things, I had to never make mistakes. And then I got old enough to realize, Jesus, daily I need you. I need you every day to come and deal with my sin. I need you every day to remind me that I am free, that I am forgiven. I need you every day to retrain my eyes. So rather than looking inwards at all the stuff that I still get wrong, that Jesus, you will teach me that you see me and you love me and you free me and you redeem me, and you've chosen me, and you've got a plan for my life. So I sat next to Mark, and I sat next to Mark, and I said, Mark, I know I'm not sat on the streets, living on the streets. I live in a nice house. I've got kids. I've got, you know, a bit of income. But actually, you need to know that I'm sat next to you, and I'm going to tell you about a God in heaven who loves you. And the only reason I'm doing this it's because I know how desperately I need him too. Will you just shut your eyes for a moment? You are so incredibly precious to God. He knows you so well. He loves you so well. He knows you what you're afraid of. He knows what you think you're capable of. He knows what you're wrestling with. And he also knows that you are exactly the right person to share with your friends that he loves them too. He knows that you're exactly the right person that when you look at the news and see stuff going around, rather than just feeling the pain of that, that you turn that into prayer and say, God, do you want to use me in this situation? Do you want to use my life at all about this stuff? I don't know how you'd use it. I don't know what that would look like. I'm only 14 years old. Like, I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I haven't got any money. I'm not sure what I'm doing with my life. But God, that modern-day slavery stuff is breaking my heart. God, do you want to use my life to make a difference with that? Because I'm all in for that. God, I know there's a friend at my school who 
is questioning their gender and they just feel they don't belong anywhere and they just feel so isolated, God, and I don't know what to say. I don't know what the right thing to say is, but I know that you love me and I know that you love them. And God, would you use me to let them know that you love them? And as their world feels like it's falling apart, that somehow they know that you've got hold of them. Have you ever dared to pray that kind of prayer? Jesus, let me look like you look. Let me look to you and let me look for you. Have you ever prayed that kind of prayer? I think some of you have. And I think as I've been speaking this morning, some of you have been really stirred about that. That you're like, yeah, that is in me. Like it's deep in me. Yeah, I do feel like that. Yeah, I do want to make a difference. I do want to see things like Jesus sees things. I wonder if I could invite the band just to come and join me on the stage. Because it would be awesome, friends, not just to talk about it, but actually to do something about it. I know it's cold and you guys are really tired and you're amazing. But I just want to give a little opportunity before we move on just to respond to that. I am a raging extrovert. I want nothing more than in my lifetime to see a massive revival of God's people reaching out boldly and confidently and wonderfully and crazily and creatively to this broken world that desperately needs to know there's a God that loves them. But I, I don't know how to do this. All I know to do is say, Jesus, will you use my life? However you think fit, will you use me to do some of this stuff? Because I'm desperate to pass on the love that I've received. So cold light of day, the band are going to start playing some music. So no particular build up. But I just want to call out the radicals. There are some of you here that are, that are mad radicals. Like, it's not because you think amazing things about yourself. It's not because you even see yourself as a leader particularly, but just something in your gut goes, Jesus, I want you to teach me how to see things your way. Just some of you here that, that you're just stirring in you. You want to see things God's way. You want to see your life God's way. You want to see the world God's way. You want to see your friends God's way. You want to see your home life God's way. And I'm simply going to end minute invite you, if that is you, just stand where you are and we're just going to pray for you. It's a way of acknowledging, not, wow, look at me, aren't I amazing? It's actually more a kind of, man, this is terrifying. But Jesus, I want to be all in. I want to see things how you see them. I want to be moved to compassion. I want to be moved to action. Are any of you out there? I reckon there are. So I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to say, three, two, one, stand up. As simple as that. It's not magic. It's just a way of acknowledging before God. God, I want to be stirred by what you see. I want to be stirred by your power. I want to be stirred by the possibility of what you could do in and through me. Not because I think I'm amazing. Although you are. You are amazing. But because, God, you're amazing. And I want you to use my life for people to see how amazing you are. I want to thank you for my friends. Thank you that each one of us in this room, you saw us before we were conceived. You saw us before there was any notion of us. 
You saw us first and you chose us and you loved us. And God, when we get a hold of that, that like takes our breath away. And we, we want to keep that going. We want to see the world how you see it. Will you stir that deep within us, that deep hunger to see your name glorified, Jesus? to see people's lives transformed by your power. And if you say amen to that, why don't you join me on your feet? If you want to say amen to that prayer, just jump up on your feet. And I want to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. Jesus, you've been doing so much this weekend, Jesus, in us. I've been hearing amazing stories of you guys praying for each other being real about real pain in your life. And yet this morning, Jesus, somehow we're turning our gaze to you and also beyond us to others. And God, I want to pray for my friends that are standing. I pray just, maybe you might want to put your hands out in front of you if that's comfortable for you as a way of saying, God, I just want to receive what you have for me as I've said yes to your call. Just receive what God wants to give you in this moment. And my first prayer for you is that as you stand before God, being seen by Him, you will get a fresh revelation this morning of how He sees you. How He sees you. How much He knows you. He doesn't have to ignore stuff in your life to love you. He loves you. He loves you. He embraces you. He surrounds you. He sees you. Thank you that you love us. We are safe with you. We are held by you. We are known by you. We are seen by you. You are the God who sees us. But thank you, God, that these dear friends want to push that a bit further. I want to push that and say, God, because I know that you see me like this, I want to see others like this. I want to see this world like this. I want to kind of get a burden in my heart for what you want to change. I want to see your name glorified. So just as you're stood there with your arms outstretched, maybe say, God, what do you want to show me today? What are you stirring in my heart? What are you stirring in my eyes? What do you want to show me today? Who do you want me to see differently today? How do you want me to see differently today? Just say, Jesus, what do you want to show me today? What do you want to show me? Just allow him to come by his spirit. What do you want to show me? Now, this might not be for people that are standing. It might be for some folks that are still sat. And I'm not going to ask you to stand if this is you. But I think there are some of you that have seen some things. We talked about social media earlier. You've seen some stuff and it's really affected you negatively. It could be that because what you've seen is explicit material. It could be that what you've seen has been personally attacking you you've been really seriously bullied you've had experiences where you've seen things and the moment, whenever you close your eyes it's like you see that stuff again 
You know if that is you. And we have a wonderful prayer ministry team who are just so full of Jesus. They are so non-judgy. They're just so, they're just all out for Jesus. And so do please make use of them today. But I'm not going to call you forward for this one because it's really kind of quite vulnerable. But you know who you are. If when you close your eyes, there's stuff that you see that's really hurt you or affected you, or it's just become really difficult in your life, you can't unsee it. Jesus, thank you that by your power, you can change that. You can remove those images from our eyes. You can remove them from our psyche. You can remove them from our memories. You can wipe that clean. So that when we close our eyes, what we see is how you see us. We can see images that are pure and beautiful and true and good. So any of my friends here that are battling with that, Jesus, by your spirit, will you come now? Will you come now and work in power in their sight? some of you here that you've got a real heart for people who are struggling with identity issues. It could be your friends who just don't know who they are, don't know if they're loved. You've got a real burden for people to know who they are, to know who they are in Christ. It breaks your heart when your friends are heartbroken. It breaks your heart. And maybe it's because it's what you've been going through. That is you. Could you raise your hand if you've got a real burden? If you feel, yeah, a few of you put your hands up. You've got a real burden to help others see themselves how God sees them. Just keep your hand up. You have a real burden. You have a real call on your life to help other people. Good, there are some guys with their hands in the air. That's brilliant. That's brilliant, men. That's brilliant. Thank you. Just keep your hands raised. For these, Lord, we just pray particularly anointing on them, Lord Jesus. Thank you that probably it comes out of a life where they've had to wrestle this stuff too, where they've had to choose to see themselves how you see them. They may be still in that fight. God, will you come, I pray, and just anchor them right now? Because we know that's an area of life that the enemy will want to just threaten regularly. Maybe some of the prayer ministry who are able to, maybe you might want to wander around and just pray for these folks with their hands in the air. If you're near somebody with their hands in the air, you might want to pray for them. God, we just pray that as you put that call on their life, Lord, that they will know without a shadow of a doubt that you hold them, you anchor them, you see them, you love them. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. This generation needs people like you who are going to call out the God shape in each one of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Going to worship God together in a minute. But whether you are standing or sat down, know that you are loved and seen by God. And let me just pray for us. And, and for those who are standing, if, if as we start worshiping in a minute, you want to make your way to the sides and for someone from the prayer team to pray with you, just seal this moment. You've stood before God saying, God, I'm doing business with you. Don't rush away from that. Allow someone to speak into your life and pray for you. I know the prayer team would love to do that. And if any of you have had some of that stuff around what you've seen that has hurt you and damaged you, make sure you go find someone today, won't you? They want to signpost you to places and people that you can talk to. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
So I pray, Lord, that you will just continue to work in us. Continue to teach us how to look with your eyes. Continue to show us and stir us up with the things that you want us to get involved with. Because more than anything, Jesus, we want your name lifted high. We want your name lifted high. Amen. 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 Well, let's worship Jesus. If you want to come forward for prayer, make your way either side now. Get in there quick before the rest get there. (laughs) Go and grab someone to pray with you. And let's worship Jesus together. Thank you for listening to Word on the Go. For more information about the festival or to contact us, please visit us at www.summermadness.co.uk forward slash festival or reach out to us across our social media platforms.